let's lift our voice right now. Let's lift our hands right now. Jesus is here. Hallelujah, Lord, we worship you. We praise you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Lord. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, you're worthy, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. God who is fire off. Amen. Sometimes it feels like He is. Sometimes it feels like He's distant. Sometimes He feels like He's absent. But He is always there. We are in the center of His hand. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. If you're wondering what you're feeling in this place, it's the presence of Jesus. Amen. Jesus is here. We believe that He operates in the church, that His presence is here, that He can break chains and restore. And, and what we can do with man's wisdom that takes us a lifetime, Jesus, in just five seconds of being in His presence, can turn lives around. Amen. In just five seconds of being in His presence, He can set the captive free. Amen. In five seconds of being in the presence of Jesus, anything can happen. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And if you've got your Bibles, I don't want to waste what God is doing here this morning. I want to move straight into the preaching of God's Word. Turn with me a very familiar passage of Scripture, Job chapter 23. Praise your Lord. So good to see everyone that is here this morning. Amen. And we have a couple of people here who are here for their first time and we're so glad that you're here. We want you to feel like you belong here. We want you to feel like there's a home here. But most importantly, we want you to feel the presence of Jesus in this place. That's what we want. We want you to feel the presence of Jesus in this place. Praise your Lord. Praise your Lord. If you've got your Bibles ready, Job 23. It's the book before Psalms. It says this. And Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. Verse 2, My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find Him. Talking about God. That I might come even to His seat. I would order my case before Him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Skipping down to verse 8, a very familiar passage of Scripture, Job says this, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he does work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, but I cannot 
see him. But, everyone say but. But he knoweth the way that I take when he has tried me. I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I want to preach for a little while this morning with the Lord's help on when God seems absent. When God seems absent. Jesus, feel your presence here already, Lord. Help me to minister to these precious people what you have laid on my heart, Lord. Help me to encourage and exhort, Lord Jesus, I pray. Help me to point people to you, God. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit today, Lord, as you work among us. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. We give you glory, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated here this morning. The book of Job introduces us to a character whose book carries the character's name to Job. The Bible tells us that in Job chapter 1, he is upright. And fears God. A man who eschews evil, or in other words, rejects evil, turns his back on evil. He was a good man. He was a righteous man, the Bible tells us. For those of you who don't know the story of Job, there appeared a time in heaven where the accuser appeared before God and basically accused God and said, The only reason that Job is living for you and serving you is because you bless him and because you protect him. You see, Job was a very wealthy man. He had cattle. He had land. He had farmland. He had sons and daughters. He had everything you could ever want in this life. God had blessed him with it. And in return, he honored God and he served God. And Satan was telling God that the only reason this man is living for you and serving you is because you have blessed him. If you take away those blessings, then he will curse you. He will reject you. And we know the story that one after the other, there was calamity after calamity after calamity. You know, his camels were all taken. His sheep were all taken. His goats were all taken. All of his kids were killed in an accident when the wind blew on his house and all of his children died at one time. And yet Job's words were, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Bible says in all of these things Job did not do foolishly. He did not charge God foolishly. And so the story goes that Satan came back to God again and said, Well, that didn't work, but if you let me attack him, let me really provoke him, then you will see. Then you will see. He will walk out on you. He will curse you. He will no longer want to live for you. And so God gave Satan permission. Satan just means the accuser. God gave Satan permission. And Job was inflicted with 
sickness and boils and all sorts of horrible stuff happened to him. He was in pain and agony. And uh, we pick up the story here in Job chapter 23 and Job is feeling discouraged. He's feeling downhearted. Because there are two facts that are clashing in his mind and he cannot reconcile them. The first one is that God seems to have disappeared. God's gone. I cannot find God anywhere. That's the first fact. And the second fact is he knows that God is a God of justice. And everything that was happening to him was not just. You see, prior to this point, Job did not curse God, not once. But prior to chapter 23, Job just wanted to die. I am done with this life. I have no reason to live anymore. Just let me die, Lord. He said, cursed is the day that I was born. I shouldn't have even been born. Just let me die, God. But after 23, Job begins to find a new frustration. He begins to have some more motivation. His despair and his frustration at what has happened to him has motivated for him motivated him to find a new God. One that is more present than the one that he has currently been serving. Job is looking for a God that he can present his case to like a courtroom where he can stand and plead his argument, where he can stand and say, well, this is why this has happened to me and this is why it's not fair. And if you are a God of justice, why are you allowing this to happen to me? He wants to find a God that he can talk to, that he can present his problems to, and find out why all of these tragedies had befallen him. You see, as readers of the book of Job, we see the exchange in heaven. We understand what's going on, but Job had no idea why. All he knew was that one day his life was great, and the next day he lost everything that he had worked for, every blessing that God had ever given him. And he had no idea why. And he could not work out why these things were going on. And so Job begins to go on a search, the Bible tells us. He says, I go forward, I go backwards. I look to the left hand, I look to the right hand. And I want you to understand something here. Because, you know, when we think about directions in our modern sense, we always align to the north, right? We have a compass which points us to the north. And we know, okay, well, if that's north, then at my right hand will be east. Behind me will be south. And on my left hand will be west. But in the eastern world, when they were giving directions, the way they would align their world was to the east. So when Job says he's going forward, he's saying, I'm going to the east. I can't find him. I go to the west. And I can't find him. On the left hand or to the north... Where he works, I can't see him. In the south, I still can't find him. 
You know, the problem that Job has is that every direction he turns, he cannot find God. It seems like God is absent from his life. He goes towards the east, towards where God's presence would be, but he can't feel God. He goes backwards to the west to get away from where God should be, but he still finds nothing out there. He turns to the north, the left hand where God works. And you know, in the northern hemisphere, when you would look to the north, you would see the northern lights. You would see the constellations in the sky. You would see everything that showed the handiwork of God. And even though he can see all these magnificent displays of God's power, the left hand where he works, he still cannot find God. The south. From Job's perspective was a desert. It was barren and uninhabited. And still, as a last resort on the right hand, he still cannot find any presence of God. You know, and Job says, even though I can't seem to find God, he has this statement that he says where he says, He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And we often misinterpret that verse. I know I have before. We often misinterpret it as a statement that one day Job will emerge victorious. But remember the words that Job is using, is using here. They're legal words. Right? He's saying, I want to present my argument towards God. I want to make my case before God. And so when he says that, he will try me. One day, he's stating, he's stating that one day, the just judge will rule in my case. And I know that one day he will find me as gold that has been tried through See, Job is not saying here that he is perfect. He knows that he is not sinless. But at the same time, Job is saying, I know that I am not a sinful man. I have not actively rebelled against God. But he is appealing to a God who knows every path that he has ever walked. A God who holds his life in his hands. A God who knows every moment and every circumstance that Job has ever lived. And he's saying to his three friends, you don't know me like God knows me. And he's saying, I don't understand why all of this is happening, but I know that my just judge understands why this is happening. And I might not be able to find him right now. He might be absent from my life seemingly, but I know that he is watching. And one day, there will be judgment from the throne on my case. And when it's done, I'm going to come forward as gold. Why did he think that? He said this. He said, my foot has held his steps. I have done my best to follow the path that God has laid out for me. He said, I have listened to every commandment that God has ever given me. And I have obeyed it. I have esteemed them more the Bible tells us, then my necessary food, following 
what God wanted for Job's life was more important than the essentials of life. More important than the food that he ate. More important than the air that he breathed. God was everything to him. And so knowing that he had done all of that, he was looking forward, longing for a day when he would appear before his judge. And his judge would be able to rule in his case. Today, our church is full of people. And our world is full of people. Our families are full of people. Communities are full of people who are on a search for God. And as we look at the circumstances in our life and the problems and the situations that we face, we begin to search, where are you in all of this, God? What is your purpose? What is your plan? Why are these things happening? And can we be honest with one another and say that there are times in our life when we go towards God's presence and we feel nothing? There's times in our life perhaps where we have rebelled against God and we have tried to withdraw from God's presence. And we feel no joy and no satisfaction in this world because this world does not have the answer that it needs. We turn to the left hand, the north, and we see God moving in the lives of people around us. And we see the handiwork of God and we wonder, why is this not happening for me? Why don't I feel God's presence like the person two seats down is feeling God's presence? We look to the barren south, the barren world, and life just begins to seem meaningless and hopeless. But in the middle of all that nothingness, and in the depth of all the emptiness, and in the height of what seems to be all the despair in the world heaped on your shoulders, can I tell you there is still a God who knows the way that you take. There is still a God who has His eyes on you. There is still a God who cares about what is going on in your life. And we cry out for a judgment from God. We cry out for God to step into the courtroom of our life and bring justice to it. And in one sense, like Job, we are still waiting for our judgment from God. But I have good news because in another sense, we have already received our judgment from God. You see, we think the word judgment means a bad thing, but it doesn't. It's a good thing. God judges our life. In one way, we have already been tried, and we have already come through as gold. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, the Bible gives a list of people who are pretty horrible, horrific people. People who we wouldn't want to spend time with. People who we would consider the outcasts of society. People who are not holy. People who are unrighteous. People who do not deserve God's grace. But Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. He says, but such were some of you. 
but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You know, that word justified, like the word that Job used, tried, that word justified is a legal term. You see, justification points to a time when we were made righteous before God. When everything that was wrong about our life was corrected and fixed up before a holy God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we were made righteous. A time when we entered into a covenant relationship with God. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.11, he gives us... Two ways in which we are justified. We are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And you know, this ties it in with what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 5 when, when Jesus told Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about a covenant relationship. We are justified when we enter into a covenant relationship with God. When the name of Jesus is called over us in baptism. When we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We enter into a covenant relationship with God. And so that means for those of us who are in that covenant relationship with God. We have already been judged righteous by God. God has already looked at all your circumstance, looked at all your situation and said, no, 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 I am in a covenant relationship. You are holy. You are mine. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I care for you because I am in a covenant relationship. This is why I know that there is still a God who knows what is going on in my life who hears every unspoken question that is in my mind, who sees every single tear I cry, who hears every prayer that I make in my mind with my mouth, who hears every time I cry out, hallelujah. And just because I don't know what is going on in my life, it does not change the fact that I am in a covenant relationship with God. And that means He is committed to my cause. And that means He's still working on me. That means that I have a plan for my life from God and that He has a purpose for me. Hallelujah. It means I've still got His Word. It means I still know how to live. It means I still know what I need to do and how I need to order my steps. It means I still know what my priorities are because I am in a covenant relationship with God. And just because sometimes God feels absent, does not mean that He is. Because He is committed to us. And so I'm going to stand for Him. And I want to know if you will stand for Him. Because when everything around me suggests that maybe I've done something wrong, it does not change the fact that I am in a covenant relationship with And this is so important because you know what happens when things begin to go wrong in your life? That same accuser who appeared before God in the book of Job, 
he begins to pop into your ear. See, you've let God down. See, you've disappointed Him. See, you've failed Him. See, you, you, you blew it. Why do you even bother? What is the point? But see, my Bible tells me in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who what? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen? A covenant relationship with God. See, God's Spirit is what helps us into that covenant relationship. It's what we need. Right, Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Right, When we are in a covenant relationship with God, He is our Father. He is our Daddy and He cares for us. And sometimes it might seem like He's distant, but He's always watching. He's always caring. He always has a plan. And He always has a purpose. That's the first judgment. Remember I said there was two. There's another judgment that's coming. And this is the judgment that I long for with all of my heart. It's going to happen in a moment. One day, my friends, the trumpet is going to sound. And this mortal will put on immortality and this corruptible will put on incorruption and in a moment in an instant all the problems of this life all the challenges that we faced all the hardships that we've gone through will begin to melt away as we stand face to face with our savior you see job wanted vindication he was being blamed for everything that it happens to him. And let me tell you, the enemy of your soul will try and blame you for the trials of life that you go through. He will try and convince you that it's your fault that God feels distance. He will try and convince you that it's hopeless to try and continue to pursue God. He will try to convince you just to give up, to walk out. But can I encourage you this morning, don't give up. Don't walk out. Stay committed to your covenant relationship with God because He is committed to you. And one day that trumpet is going to sound and we are going to be changed in a moment. In a twinkling of an eye, we're going to be standing before our Savior and we're going to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we're going to say, Man, I was struggling. Yeah, I know you were struggling, but you're still my good and faithful servant. Man, I felt like I was distant from you. No, no. You're still my good and faithful servant. We're in a covenant relationship. I'm not going to walk out on you. I'm not going to leave you. You just got to, in this life, keep pursuing, keep chasing, keep longing for God, keep wanting more of Him in, his li in your life. And one day, we'll be there at that second judgment. And I long for that day more than any other day. It seems to be a thing, I'm still very young, but as I'm getting older, you know, I, I look at our elders, Brother Gara, Sister Katie, Sister Gara, and I look at the way that they get themselves into church. You know, Brother Gara is not exactly the fastest man on the block these days. You're not going to see him on a rugby field running down a try, right? His, his feet just can't quite move as fast as that. But one day, Brother Gara, 
that trumpet's going to sound. Your body's going to be changed, man. You and I, we can go for a run together in heaven. We can celebrate. We can dance like we used to when you were younger. Brother Isaac, you're back. It's not going to bother you when we get up there. Hallelujah. Sister Katie, you know what you got to do every time you go to the hall. That doesn't have to happen anymore when we get up there. And all these trials of life, and we take them before God, and we realize that we don't need an answer anymore because we're with Jesus, and things are going to be better now. That is the judgment that I am looking forward to. Hallelujah. As we all stand this morning, where Sister Janie is, someone go dig her up. Every day that we go live for God is one day closer to seeing Jesus. You know, it's starting to become my perspective. Don't, don't get me wrong, I like my life. I've got a good life. I'm blessed. I enjoy this life. But compared to the glory that awaits on the other side, this is nothing. You know, and I get up in the morning and I'm like, yes, it's another day closer till I see Jesus. I could see Jesus this week. I could see Him next week. I could die when I'm 85 years old. I don't know how long I've got. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But I rest in the fact that I have a covenant relationship with God. And one day, one day, I am going to see Him. Every day is closer to living in the presence of Jesus for eternity. This is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, he says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Oh, my sweet brothers and sisters, keep your eye on the destination. Jesus is our goal and heaven is our home. Amen. And we keep our eye fixed on that goal and we move every day closer to it. You want to know why I live for Jesus? You want to know why I give Him everything I've got? Because I've got my eye fixed on eternity. And I know... That if eternity is over there, if I start walking away this way, I'm not going to get to where I want to go. If I start walking over this way, I'm not going to get to where I want to go. So in the midst of my trials, in the midst of life, in the midst of challenges, i got my eye fixed on eternity. I might not feel God's presence sometimes. That's not going to change my response. I might not understand why, what's going on. But as the years go by, as every day that I live and we get closer and closer and closer to eternity, my friends keep your eye on the destination every day my friends we make the decision this day I will live for God this day my foot will hold his steps I will keep his way I will not decline I will not go back on his word but I will listen and I will obey hallelujah I will treat his word as more needful than my necessary food and my friends it might not happen today 
and it might not happen tomorrow. But one day, I promise you, it's in God's word. It will come to pass. One day, the trumpet will sound. And I'll be with Jesus. And I want to see you with me. Oh, won't we have a time when we get over yonder, as the old song said. Oh, won't we have a time when we get to heaven. To be in the presence of Jesus. And so I want to invite you to come and pray this morning. What do you need from God? This altar, there's nothing special about it. But when we step out in faith, we are responding to God's word. And we're saying, God, yeah, I'm feeling like you're absent in my life maybe. But God, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to feel your presence again. You know, if you need strength, you can find it today. If you don't know what it means to be in a covenant relationship with God. You know, I I said to someone earlier, there are only two types of people in the world. This is not my words. I borrowed this from Brother Norris. There's two types of people in the world. Those in covenant relationship with God and those who God is calling into covenant relationship. And so if you are not in that covenant relationship with God, if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus, today can be your chance. If you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit like it speaks about in the book of Acts, you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today. Think about it. God's Spirit living in your heart. If God's Spirit has become a distant thing to you, maybe you need to ask God to just refresh you, to make you more aware that, hey, He's working in your life even though you might not be able to see it. I think that's one of the reasons why that bridge from Waymaker makes such an impact on us. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Why can we say that? We can say that because we have a covenant relationship with God. He's not going to back out on us. He will keep working. He will keep working in our life. And can I also encourage you that if you're wondering if it's worth it all, in the face of what appears to be a God that's absent from your life. He's been there all along. He's watching. He's waiting. And if you're wondering if this Christian life is worth it, I invite you to come down to the front and pray as well. Talk to the Lord. You'll get a taste of what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Sister Janie begins to play something. Let's come down to the front. Let's respond to God's word this morning. Let's turn that off. Praise the Lord.